Amen. How many's got your Bibles tonight, your notebooks and all of this, or have you sharpened your mind? Because we want to present to you some of our thoughts on a very controversial subject. And when we say that, it is not our desire to offend anyone in any way. You have as much right to your belief as I have in mine. We have been asked this question for some time, and we did promise on occasions that we would do our best to let people know what we felt and the reason we felt that way, unless we're going to attempt to do. I need to read, I suppose, from the 33rd verse on down and including the 40th verse. Now to begin, it says, For God is not the author of... But if any man be ignorant, let him be ignorant. Wherefore, brethren, covet the prophesy, forbid not to speak with tongues, and let all things be done decently and in order. Now, of course, this is not the first... to go over some things quickly and then we'll expound upon them at greater length later on. You might keep in mind that at the fall, the woman was put in servitude to man. Before then, she had a place for the sight of man. You might also keep in the remembrance that by Christ's death, burial, and his resurrection, that the woman was redeemed from the curse and put in for a rightful place, which is not over a man and not under a man, but by the man. Help meet for man. Now also, I want to read to you some of the things that it's not available to so many of us, but uh, we need to know them. I don't know if you're aware that Paul was speaking to half-converted Christians and half-converted Jews when he was writing most of his epistles. He had Jewish believers in there. 
And these Jewish believers had followed for a long time the Jewish oral law that had been codified, commonly called the Talmud. Now, they still go by that. And at the time they did. And Jesus referred to this all the time as a tradition of the elders. Tradition of the elders. I want to read some of the things that is pertinent to what we're going to talk about today that is in the Torah or in the Bible that the Jews used then and still do. Number one, a woman should not read in the Torah or in the to that of one man. Number three, a woman is not to be believed even under oath. Number five, a woman must not be counted with ten men to make a congregation. In other words, at that time a congregation was considered ten. And if there was nine men and a woman was there, they couldn't count her to make a congregation. This was not a congregation. Number six, a man's corpse may be laid over which an oration is made, but you don't go to any trouble for a woman. Number seven, women are made only to bear children. And number eight, it is a shame for a woman to let her voice be heard among men. Now, of course, this is not Bible. It's the Jews' Bible. It's the Torah, but it is not inspired. In other words, what they have there is a mixture of truth and tradition, which is one of the most dangerous things that has ever been. Tradition by itself we recognize. Mix a little truth with it, and unfortunately we don't recognize it as we should. Now, I want to uh, turn over, and my wife is supposed to read some of these things for me if she can keep up with me here. I want to show you, as an example, in Matthew 15, 1 to 9, where Jesus talks about tradition. Matthew 15, 1 and 9. Then came Jesus' scribes and Pharisees. Then came to Jesus' scribes and Pharisees, which were of Jerusalem, saying, why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? Notice that, the tradition of the elders. For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. But he answered and said unto them, Why do ye also transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? Your traditions, there it is, transgressing the commandments of God, what God has said, the truth in it, by their traditions. For God commanded, saying, Honor thy father and mother, and he that curseth father or mother, let him die the death. But notice now, this is uh, interesting, and I want you to hear, uh, remember that first part of that, but ye say. Now you keep that in your mind because it's going to be pertinent to what we're talking about. But, and it goes on to say, but ye say. But ye say, whosoever shall say to his father or to his mother, it is a gift by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me. And honor not his father or his mother, he shall be free. Thus have you made the commandment of God to, of none effect by your tradition. Ye hypocrites, well did Isaiah the prophesies of you, saying, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching for the doctrines the commandments of men. I did that to show you this. Jesus attacked 
all the time the mixing of tradition and elders. Now, they reached in and got some scripture. And the commandment was, honor your father and mother. Now, you need to, I don't have time to go into what that entails, but you need to read it. And it says, he that curses father or mother, let him die the death. But they have changed that. But you say, uh, if you say to your father and mother, it's a gift. In other words, you give them some money or something like that, do whatever you want to with it, then according to the Jewish law, they're free from any honor whatsoever to their father and their mother. And Jesus says, by that, you've made the commandments of God of none effect by your traditions. And then he upgrades them, calls them hypocrites, Mm -hmm. and tells them that they draw near to him with their mouth, honoring him with their lips, but their heart is far from him. And then they talked about vain or empty worship, teaching from doctrines, far, far doctrines, the commandments of men. Yes. Now, Jesus at all times had a very, well, Jesus was a revolutionary. And Jesus had a very revolutionary attitude about women. Most of his problems with the scribes and Pharisees and Sadducees and uh, people in the Jewish synagogue was because of his attitude toward women. In John 4:27, he was found talking to the Samaritan woman. And not only was the people outside, but his own disciples was astonished that Jesus talked to a woman because according to their law, no rabbi would waste any time talking to a woman. Mm -hmm. And yet Jesus spent much time in his talkings to women. You also notice in John 8, the woman was taken in adultery. She was standing before there. Now, uh, that looks fine and good. A person should not commit adultery. But according to Leviticus 20 and 10, both of those individuals, not just the woman, but the woman and the man both should have been put to death. Right. But according to them, the man was all right to do it. So you can see the bias and the prejudice that lurked in the hearts of those individuals, but there was none in Jesus. You could find always his friendship with Mary and Martha. Mm-hmm. Now, we're going to go now to 1 Corinthians 14.34. And this scripture is used to say that women cannot minister or preach. But I want you to notice in the reading of this, and we're going to read to you the original. And by the way, it is an interesting thing uh, that more or less the ending of the chapter is, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches. And then this... The rest of it is parenthetical, as if the Apostle Paul is setting before them what would cause confusion. And so he writes it this way. And you know what to notice what I told you a while ago? Well, these words are deleted, but they are in the original. And he says, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints, but ye say. Now that's important that you remember that is in there. But ye say, let your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. Also, this needs to be verified too, and straightened out in the original. I realize you say, well, you're changing the Bible. No, I'm not. It's changed here in the translations. Right. I'm putting it back where it belongs. Right. And actually what it is saying here, but you're commanded to be under obedience 
And as also saith your law, if ye will learn anything, let, him, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for women to speak in the church. Now I want you to notice the mixture there mm -hmm. of tradition and also of truth. Right. One little portion of truth is added in that. That is, but they are commanded to be under obedience or under subjection. Mm -hmm. That's the only portion of truth, as far as truth or biblical things is concerned, that is in there. Well, you're saying, why does the Apostle Paul write that? Well, when you look at that, you have to be simply aware that Paul is quoting from another source. Right. Now, the confusing thing about this is this. That the Apostle Paul had just spent some time before this talking about what prophecy is. Talking about what it is and what it does. Yes. And then he very meticulously had spoken in, the, I think, the 11th chapter of this. He had spent some time telling women the condition they need to be in before they prophesy. Mm -hmm. And then he turns right around after spending all of that time telling them, and that's another story about, uh, about that and a lot of ideas, but he did tell them how they were supposed to be when they prophesied, how right. uh, their head was supposed to be covered, right. and all of this, and then he turns right around after spending that much time, and he turns right around and says, but you can't say anything in church. <laughs> now then, this is confusing, isn't it? Especially if we're trying to make the Bible correlate and trying to uh, make it not contradict itself. So when you find a contradiction in the Bible, then you have to find out, is there really a contradiction there? Or actually, what is it really saying? You see, the Apostle Paul is the writer of all of this. Yes. And being the writer of all of this, he would not have the audacity to say one thing in his writings to the church, and turn right around then and tell them that they couldn't say anything in church. Right. Uh, let your women keep silence. That uh, word is a phonos, which simply means you got to keep completely still. Now then, he also says, as saith the law. Now, this is a source he's quoting. Now then, what you've got to do is try to find out by the way, that is, as, as thus saith your law. Not the law, but as saith your law. It's not changed, it's changed here. But then you've got to find out what law is he quoting. Mm -hmm. And then you have to run back through all the laws. Is he talking about the original law of the sexes where God blessed them? and told them to multiply and replenish the earth. Can you find anything in there where God says the women can't say anything? And of course, when you search that out, there's nothing there. He's not quoting this law. Right. And so maybe it's the second law after the fall. Now see if he's quoting that. Genesis 3.16 says, uh, He shall have rule over thee. Now that's all it says. But does it say anything about the woman not being able to speak in the congregation or the church. No. And, of course, you can't find it in that law. So we go on searching the laws. And we find that in Genesis 3.16, man's rulership of woman is part of the legacy of the curse. Now, we uh, brought that out to you before. 
And now then we've come to Moses' law. If it's in there any place, it should be in Moses' law. So we're going to read Numbers 27, 1 and 8, and we're going to see where some individual ladies came and spoke in the congregation, and everybody listened. Can you read that? Then came the daughters of Zelophehad, the son of Heber. Numbers 27, 1 and 8. If you can't find it fast, just write it down. The son of Gilead, the son of Makar, the son of Manasseh, of the families of Manasseh, the son of Joseph. And these are the names of his daughters. Mala, Noah, Hogla, Maka, and Tarzah. And they stood before Moses and before Elizar, the priest, and before the princes and all, and all the congregation, by the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, saying, Our father died in the now wilderness. Now they're, they're speaking, aren't they? I in mean, so that, that's not the law. Go ahead and read that, but they're saying something that's very important. Our father died in the wilderness, and he was not in the company of them that gathered themselves together against the Lord in the company of Korah but died in his own sin, and had no sons. Why should the name of our father be done away from among his family, because he hath no son? Given to us, therefore, a possession among the brethren of our father. And Moses brought their cause before the Lord. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, The daughters of Zelophehad speak right. Thou shalt surely give them a possession of an inheritance among their father's brethren, and thou shalt cause the inheritance of their father to pass unto them. And they shall speak unto the children of Israel, saying, If and excuse me, and thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel, saying, If a man die and have no son, then ye shall cause his inheritance to pass unto his daughter. The important thing you've got to remember on that was this was Moses' law, and yet there seemed to be nothing that would forbid women to speak in the congregation or come to the church, so to speak, which is the ecclesia or called out assembly, even at that time. And as they spoke, they all listened. And not only that, but they asked the question, will we get an inheritance? And the Bible says the daughters spake right, and this is vital because... An inheritance can pass through a woman. Mm -hmm. And if it was not for this law, Jesus could never have been and never could have been made king of Israel mm -hmm. because Joseph was not his father. Right. And the inheritance passed through Mary. Mm -hmm. And so that allowed Jesus and will allow him to be king of kings and lord of lords of Israel. So you see, he was not quoting this law. Now, you've got to remember, as also saith your law. So he's not quoting this law. And in Judges 4, 1 and 10, you find that Deborah judged Israel. And it was possible under the law of Moses for a woman to rise even to judgeship. Right. And you're going to find in 2 Chronicles 34, 22 and 28, there was a prophetess called Haldra. And I want you to listen to what God put in her mouth. Now, this is under Moses' law. And there had been a, a, a judge, Deborah, or Israel, and then there was a prophetess mm -hmm. called Haldra. We want to read and see what God told her to say. 
and Hilkiah and they that went I'm sorry and Hilkiah and they that the king had appointed went to Huldah the prophetess the wife of Shulam the son of Tikva the son of Hashra keeper of the wardrobe now she dwelt in Jerusalem in the college and they spake to her to that effect and she answered them thus saith the Lord God of Israel tell ye the man that sent you to me thus saith the Lord behold I will bring evil upon this place listen to what she's saying now this is somebody that's not even supposed to be talking if it's under Moses's law and this is what God puts in her mouth to speak behold I will bring evil upon this place and upon the inhabitants thereof even all the curses that are written in the book which they have read before the king of Judah because they have forsaken me and have burned incense unto other gods that they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands therefore my wrath shall be poured out upon this place and shall not be quenched and as for the king of Judah who sent you to inquire of the Lord so shall ye say unto him thus saith the Lord God of Israel concerning the words which he hath heard because thine heart was tender and thou didst humble thyself before God when thou heardest his words against this place and against the inhabitants thereof and humbledest thyself before me and didst rent thy clothes and weep before me I have heard thee also saith the Lord behold I will gather thee to thy fathers and thou shalt be gathered to thy grave in peace neither shall thine eyes see all the evil that I will bring upon this place and upon the inhabitants of the same so they brought the king word again notice this prophetess this lady was speaking under the influence of God with a message to the king mm -hmm. and to the priest. Right. Now, if it was the thinking like a lot of people think, why didn't God have a man to do this? There must have been a few around someplace, but we don't question God. God sent her. She spoke under the influence of the Holy Ghost. Right. And if you'll notice, you come right on up to the New Testament. Moses' law was still in effect. What we're proving is what this was quoted from was not any of these laws thus far that we have covered. Mm -hmm. And Moses' law still in effect, and Jesus was born, and there was a prophetess called Anna in the temple, and she gathers him up and speaks and prophesies. Amen. And speaks words under the influence of the Holy Ghost, in the church as it were at that time so on down through the Bible we check all of these laws mm -hmm. and we don't find any of this in it any place scrutinize it read it do the best you can with it but none of these things are under the auspices of any of the laws we've searched <laughs> but the verse is still there so let's check and see if it's Paul's own law Paul was an apostle. He laid down some laws of his own under the influence of the Holy Ghost. And we're going to correlate two scriptures to show you, Philippians 4 and 3, 
And then 1 Timothy 5 and 17. Let's read Philippians 4 and 3 first. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labor with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers, whose names are in the book of life. Now you've got to ask yourself the question, when these ladies were laboring, what was they doing? Serving cups of tea and handing out little cakes? Or was it going a little bit farther than that? And you're going to notice the same word is used in 1 Timothy 5.17 when the Apostle Paul is talking to Timothy and talking about laboring. So let's read that. Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. Same word, same thing, same influence. Yes. So you see, if it was the law of the Apostle Paul, there you search him, search his writings, any place under the law when he's laying down something where it says, this, thus speak I and not the Spirit, and all of this and not God, you, you don't find this in there. And then you find in Romans 16 and 1, there's a sister's of, uh, uh, letters of commendation. And he called Phoebe a servant. Yes. Now, this servant is from the Greek word herperetio. And uh, the same word in 1 Timothy 4 and 7 is used as minister. Mm-hmm. So what you have here is Phoebe as a minister. Yes. The same as the others as a minister. Mm-hmm. In Acts 18.24, Romans 16.3, Aquila and Priscilla found her rightful place as a helpmeet for her husband. She spoke words. She ministered. The Bible tells us she did. She spoke under the influence of the Holy Ghost. Mm-hmm. Now, all we've got to do is read and search it and find it. Acts 21 and 8 and 9, did Paul have a law that women could not speak? And then, of course, all you've got to do is follow that on down and see Philip the Evangelist. Yes. And had daughters that prophesied. Yes. You've got to ask yourself a question. There's prophecy again. You see, Paul spent a lot of time in dealing with prophecy. And we need to read that, I think, 1 Corinthians 11 and 5. We need to read that and find out what prophecy means. Now, did these ladies just prophesy at home? (laughs) They did. Who was they prophesying to? Now, prophesy simply means foretelling or foretelling. Mm -hmm. In other words, it means preaching. Right. Or a ministry. Right. And so you see, in the New Testament, after the Holy Ghost had fell, after the New Testament church had come into being, we have Aquila and Priscilla ministering, and also we have Philip the Evangelist with... Daughters that prophesied. And then read 1 Corinthians 11 and 5. But every woman that prayeth or prophesieth with her head uncovered dishonoreth her head, for that is even all one as if she were shaven. Now, so we'll not go into all that. We've covered that before as to what it means. But there you have the Apostle Paul laying down the rules as far as the prophecy of women. Mm-hmm. Now, you also need to read what prophecy entails. 1 Corinthians 14 and 4, if you'd like to write that down, simply says, prophecy edifieth the church. Mm-hmm. Now, if a woman is supposed to be silent, they're supposed to be mute, and they're not supposed to preach, and they're not going to say anything, and yet they're going to prophesy, how are they going to edify the church? They have to make a noise. They have to speak. 
and uh, they can minister and they can preach. Right. Because Paul didn't spend all of that time trying to tell them what they had to do in order to tell them they couldn't do it. That's right. Common sense is going to tell you that, isn't it? True. Now, maybe it's the Pentecostal law when the New Age came in. <laughs> maybe that's the law he was talking about. So you got the search acts, and when you find the church coming into being, he was spoken of by the prophet Joel and said he would pour out his spirit upon even the handmaidens. Right. And what did it say the handmaidens would do? I don't have to tell you that, do I? And in Acts 1.8, they said they shall be witnesses to me. Now, women was there also. Right. So you have to ask and talk to the women, what are you doing here anyway? Uh-huh. I mean, why do you come to get the Holy Ghost for? Because you can't say anything. You can't open your mouth. You've got to be quiet. You've got to be mute. So what are you doing here? You can't be a witness. Amen? Come on. So you've got to find out where we're at. And Acts 2, 4, it said they all speak. Mm-hmm. Sure did. And we still haven't covered, as far as that's concerned, what law the Apostle Paul is quoting from. And if you can find what law he's quoting from, well, then you can solve the mystery and end the confusion and end the fact that one scripture is contradicting the other one. And I read you everything that I just read from these excerpts from the Talmud, which the Greeks used, and this is the law that the Apostle Paul was speaking from. Right. Notice it said it is a shame for a woman's voice to be heard among men. Mm. It is a shame for, and notice now, what we just got to reading, and as also saith the law, if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for women to speak in the church. Mm -hmm. Exactly what was quoted in the codified all law of the Jews, the Talmud. So you have the law they're talking about as the tradition of elders, which makes the word of God of not effect. Come on. Now Paul was followed, as we said, by half Jews and half Christians, and the Jews even questioned Paul's apostleship. Right. I want to show you some of the things that this man had to put up with. Prejudice run deep. Right. In this... Jewish mixture of individuals and to show you further what I'm talking about First uh, Corinthians 15 he was dealing with the subject of the resurrection Yes. now the Corinthian church was not sound on the resurrection and the apostle Paul was quoting them some things that would show them, writing to them some things that would show them the soundness of the resurrection. Mm -hmm. I want you to see who he told, if we could go to that, 15th, and uh, let's just read that. We're just right there by it. said, But which also are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain, for I have delivered to you, first of all, that which I received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, and that he was buried, mm -hmm. and then he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that it was a scene above five hundred brethren at once, 
of whom the greater part remain unto the present, but some are fallen asleep. After that he was seen of James, then of all the apostles, and last of all he was seen of me also as one born out of due season. Now, is there something that bothers you there? There was me. Because I noticed the omission of any woman mm-hmm. witnessing the resurrection. I noticed the Apostle Paul never mentioned the women that saw him first. Come on. That could attest to his resurrection. He didn't mention Mary. He didn't mention the others. And they're the one that carried the message and came and said, He's alive. He's alive. He's alive. Strange coincidence, isn't it? Come on. That God would pick a woman to carry the first message of the resurrected Christ. And yet He did. Mm-hmm. He didn't tell her to be quiet. He told her to go and tell them. And I want you to notice the omission. Mm hmm. Of the Apostle Paul here, by any of the women that could attest to his resurrection. Now, why did Paul do this? Very simple. The word of 100 women is not worth the word of one man, not to be believed under oath. Come on. And so to attest to the resurrection, where they would understand it and get their prejudice out of the way, he only uses the men. Right. See, prejudice still run deep. Mm-hmm. It's a carryover, too. Still runs a little deep today. Almost every place you go, you're going to find it. And so the Apostle Paul completely omitted those women. Right. He should have begun with Mary, but he didn't. Because he knew that he was dealing with Jewish people who seemed to be sound in their Talmud, yes. in their law. And so he doesn't bother with that. And then he comes right on down, and after going through all of that, he simply says, now hold it a minute. (laughs) Now just hold it just one minute. Who said this anyway? Mm -hmm. Where did you get this garbage? Mm -hmm. Where did it come from anyway? I brought God's word to you. It's what the Apostle Paul is saying. I brought God's word to you. Yes. And you need to be aware that I wrote your words. Now, what he was referring was not necessarily what he was challenging there, but he goes on back to time and time again, his word that he had brought to them, and yet they're coming with their law yes. and tearing down everything the Apostle Paul had said concerning the ability of women to prophesy. Come on. And he stops them after he says that. And he says, come the word of God out from you. Come on. In other words, he's comparing their oral law, the Torah, to the divine revelation of Almighty God that gave to him and the tradition of elders that they carried down it through. And he's simply saying, came the word of God out from you or came it into you only? Come on. Haven't you heard a thing that I've been trying to say? And then he says, if you think yourself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge the things that I write unto you are the commandments, not tradition, but they are the commandments of the Lord. Right. And then he says something that really needed to be said, and it still needs to be said today, because there's a lot of people still want to be ignorant. Right. 
They've got their own ideas. They've got their own fantasy. They've got their own way of doing things. They've got this that I have always believed it. It doesn't matter. And the Apostle Paul says, if you want to be ignorant, just be ignorant. But here's the truth of the matter. Right. And he needed to say that. Yes, he did. Because there was a lot of them that wasn't going to listen to him. And he said, Wherefore, brethren, covet to prophesy, forbid not to speak with tongues, but whatever you do, let all things be done decently, and let it be done in order. Now you say, well, can we be sure? Now let's make one more comparison. Just give me a few more minutes here. It's still early yet. And let's make another comparison and see if we can find out if this hadn't been going on all down through the teachings of Jesus. And even picked right up and carried over into the Corinthian church, into the Galatian church. Any place you would find a Jew, you would find some of these things ingrained in him. He had a hard time turning loose of his tradition. That's right. I can't imagine that, can you? <laughs> yes, I can, because this old boy fights it. Yes. I've got traditions, you've got them, yes you have, and I have a hard time reading the Bible for what it says, not what I've always been told it says. Right. For getting into the Bible and seeing what is in there, mm -hmm. not to prove what I believe, but to see what the Scripture is actually telling me. Right. I've been so confused with the Bible, it will read one thing, then it'll turn right around and read another, and it's so easy to pass over it and say, oh, well, it really doesn't matter, I don't understand it. But we need to understand. Yes, we do. The Bible is not yes, made for confusion. No. It's clear and concise if we'll search out what it has to say. Amen. So uh, let's, let's try one more time in Matthew 5 and 43. See if I can find that. Matthew 5 and 43. I don't have that, but it just happened to get in my way, and I think maybe we ought to read it. Ye have heard it hath been said. Now, wait a minute now. Ye have heard it hath been said. Okay. Thou shalt love thy neighbor. Now, wait, wait, wait just a minute. Thou shalt love thy neighbor, and that was said. Right. That's truth. Amen. But now then, let's mix a little tradition with it. And hate thine enemy. Okay, now let's go to Leviticus where they took that from. Mm -hmm. And let's read Leviticus and see what it actually did say. Leviticus 19, 17, and 18. Okay. Thou shalt not hate thy brother. Thou shalt, wait a minute, thou shalt not? Thou shalt not hate thy brother in thine heart. But it has been said that you shall hate your brother and love, go ahead, hate your enemy. Love your brother and hate your enemy. Thou shalt in any wise rebuke thy neighbor and not suffer sin upon him. Thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people, but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. See, there again, you've got truth and tradition. And the Apostle Paul was always working with that. Mm -hmm. Because I'm going to say it again, wherever you find a Jewish convert, whether mm -hmm. he is only half converted or whether he's fully converted, you're going to find him dragging in his tradition, mm -hmm. his yes. teachings. And like I said, there's just enough truth mixed in with it. Now, 
Erroneous teachings, we've said this before, erroneous teaching Christians can decipher. They can throw that out. They know it's error if it is completely error. Right. But you mix a little grain of truth in it. Mm-hmm. And if we're not careful, we'll swallow it hook, line, and sinker. Mm-hmm. And the Jews were good at that. Yeah. They was making these laws to benefit them. To benefit them as priests, to be benefit them as Pharisees, and to benefit them alone. And of course, if they can mix a little truth in there, and Bible scholars, maybe Bible readers wouldn't know the difference, uh, reading the Old Testament, just mix a little truth. Just say, it has been said. Jesus challenged him with that. Now, it's been said. Mm-hmm. That you love your brother, but you hate your enemy. And Leviticus didn't say that at all. No. You see. And you can find more of those all throughout the Bible. But we're going now to 1 Corinthians 2.11. 1 Timothy 2.11. And we're going to deal with another scripture that probably ought to be dealt with, perhaps not in its fullness as it should be, but we need to touch on it. 1 Timothy 2.11. Let the women learn in silence with all subjection. Now this is not Talmud. This is not the Talmud. And you'll find that word silence is not a phonus. But it's Irene, E-I-R-I-N-E, Irene. And you'll find that means quietness, in quietness. I'm trying to find it here because I've got some place I want to go with that. Now let the women learn in quietness with all subjection. Mm-hmm. And then it says, But I suffer not a woman to teach, nor to usurp or worship, however you want to pronounce that word, authority over the man, but to be in quietness. Mm-hmm. Now the key word of that verse is over. Mm-hmm. And no woman, Christian woman, saved through the childbearing, would ever want to be over a man if the man is recognizing his rightful place in God. Right. Not at any time. But it doesn't tell her that she cannot say anything. It just tells her the way that she should say it. Not to worship authority over the man, but to be in silence. Mm -hmm. I've spoken on several incidents. When my wife ministers in a church that I am pastor of, she is not usurping authority over you because I am the authority, I am the pastor. Right. She is under me. Right. Any other minister that might minister here, whether he be man or woman, is still subject to the rulership. That's God's order. That's not mine. Subject to the authority or the rulership of the pastor. Right. So you see, actually, they are not usurping or worshiping authority over the man. Mm -hmm. They're simply following the only authority there is is God's word. Amen. When it all boils down to that. I need that scripture, and I don't know why I can't find that. First Timothy, here it is. I suffer not a woman to teach nor usurp or worship authority over the man, but to be in silence or in quietness. And you'll find First Peter talks and tells you about the quietness and how they should do it. But notice first, but Adam was first formed, then Eve. 
Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in transgression, notwithstanding. Now, this is important here. Notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing Mm -hmm. if they continue in faith and charity and holiness with sobriety. If they continue. Surprising thing there is what it is saying, she shall be saved or restored Mm -hmm. through the childbearing. Mm -hmm. Through the childbearing. Right. She shall be restored through the childbearing. In other words, when Jesus was born of a virgin Mary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hallelujah. Come on. This brought an end to the curse of the law that breathed down upon humanity. And the Bible says that uh, this woman, so to speak, will be restored to her rightful place. Right. To her rightful place. Amen. Where God created her for, not as head over a man and not as a foot mat for him to wipe his feet on, Mm. but she definitely has a place. She has equality with man, not to be as man, but equality in the fashions that she is a woman. Right. The way she ought to be. I don't believe in in what they call uh, equal rights amendments. Mm -mm where they try to make men and women equal as men and women. I'm talking about men and women equal as to the rights that God has given them. And so often we take away some of the rights that God has restored through the childbearing, through the virgin birth of the Lord Jesus Mm -hmm. Christ. Mm -hmm. And God gave Satan an earful back in Genesis when it said, Her seed shall crush his head. In other words, the virgin birth Mm -hmm. saves women. Or restores women. Or brings them back not to the servitude, Mm -hmm. but to the help meet for the man. Yes. Not for man to wipe his feet on. Not for some hairy-legged man that's not acquainted with God's laws, that know nothing about it, point his finger at a, a virtuous little woman that's trying to do good in God and say, I'm the head of this house. God doesn't mean that at all. No. He is head of the house. Even as Christ rules him, so she, should he be head over the ladies. Right. That's and not it. without that. That's it. And ladies have subjected themselves to this simply because they have come and said, the Bible says I am, but it qualifies it. Yes, it does. It tells you what you're supposed to be. Tells you how you're supposed to be. Tells you how you're supposed to be living. And you're supposed to be subject to Jesus Christ before the woman is subject to you. Right. Amen. And then when you're subject to Jesus Christ, she is in subjection to you. Yes. And then I've searched through the Bible, and I'm going to close with this. Hope you're just about as confused as you can be. But I've searched through the Bible, and I'd like for you to answer me one question. I've looked, I've searched, I've read about women in the Bible, especially in the New Testament, and I can't find anywhere where a woman ever said any unkind things about Jesus. No. I find a lot of men said bad things about him, a lot of bad things. Mm-hmm. Crucified him. And while he was hanging there, the women was weeping. But search your Bible, and you can't find any place where any woman ever said anything unkind That's right. about Jesus. Jesus. Jesus was mindful of their plight. Yes. He recognized where they were sitting. And he knew he had come to lift them out of that. 
and get them out from under the servitude of man's tradition and man's ideas and man's opinions. And somebody has said, well, what do you think about a woman pastor? I think a lot of things. And I don't think I'm going to get into that subject. But I'm going to ask you this question and leave it there. What would have happened to individual souls that have been saved when a lady felt the need of ministering in a church And no man could or would go there and take his rightful place. And the souls that she has reached, Mm -hmm. what would have happened if she had not reached them? What would have happened if she had not opened her mouth against the traditions of this world? And had not stood her ground and been put down almost every place I know uh, we have traveled around the country. Mm-hmm. And my wife is a minister and she ministers. We had trouble with this before she ever started ministering. She had problems with it. We had to work it out. Mm-hmm. But she has put da- been put down. She has been denied. She's been looked down upon. <laughs> and all of this. And the... Uh, all the ladies almost that have been called into the ministry have had to suffer some sort of deal like this. That's right. And what would have happened to those individuals that heard the only the words of salvation from the lips of a woman? Right. If they had not against all odds ministered under the inspiration of God and His power? Mm-hmm. What would have happened to souls that came to an altar? We have a lady right close to us in Jasper. Now, I know of men that have said that they really felt like they had been called there, but they simply could not turn loose of their job to go there. Come on. Now, whether she's functioning under the divine plan of God in a divine way is really beside the point. That's right. The fact of the business is she is functioning. Yes. And people have been saved under her ministry. And people are being ministered to. Mm -hmm. See what I'm trying to say? Yes. And see what Jesus said? You made my word of none effect by your traditions. By the things that you have held fast to. Things that you've heard and, and like I said, solid on it. I don't mind telling you. And my wife will tell you the same thing. I read those scriptures. We acted under them for a long, long time. And then come time when I had to face reality. Either the Apostle Paul was wrong in including women in prophesying and telling them how they're Head must be covered and what have you. Either he was wrong then. Mm-hmm. Or you have to look at this scripture and try to find another answer for it. Right. And I don't know like about you, but I don't like dark spots in the Bible. 
I don't like things in the Bible that seem to contradict one another. I think it was interlaced. And I think when we really put our mind to search it out and see what it's saying, I think it'll fall into place just like a piece of puzzle falls into its place. Right. And this is what happened to me. Not thinking about the Scripture one time, I picked up some writings in the Torah. And I read it concerning women. And then just like a bolt of lightning, it hit me. As also saith the law. As also saith the law. And then I thought, if the law said it, I'm going to believe it. If I can find it in here. And I searched. Now, what it took me 30 minutes to say to you took me some hours and days and weeks and even months. Yes, it did. To be able to find out what law it was. And then to find out the changes, and they don't do it intentionally, but the changes it's made in those things. Mm-hmm. And then to get that and realize that when you're looking at that, now let's read it, parenthetical, the Apostle Paul is giving them something that would create confusion and not peace in the church. And he goes from there and he writes, says, And let your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak, but they are commanded to be under the law. And as also saith your law, if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for a woman to speak in the church. Right down the line with their law that they was trying to entwine with God's law. Right. Right down the line, just specific as it can be quoted from the Talmud. Come on. The Apostle Paul is telling us that. Mm -hmm. And then he says, now look, what's the matter with you guys anyway? (laughs) The Word of God didn't come out from you. I'm the Apostle in this area, and I'm the one that's teaching you. Where'd you get that stuff anyway? Come on. How come you're dragging that in? How come you're getting your law all mixed up with the commandments of God? If you think yourself to be a prophet or spiritual, I want you to acknowledge the things I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. Right. In other words, I speak with authority. These things come direct from God out of heaven, anointed and given to me, and I am going to tell you about them, and they're going to be recorded. But you drug up this stuff. Come on. That the elders have said, and that they codified Moses' law, and made a tradition out of it. And you've drug that up, and you've inserted one little portion of truth inside mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. Come on. But as if to say, I know that some of your mind's not going to be changed. <laughs> <laughs> he said, if you just want to stay that way, just stay that way. He knew humanity. <laughs> In other words, just do that. But then he goes on to say, now, brethren, you covet to prophesy. See, prophecy is an integral part. And I'm going to say it again. Prophecy is just simply foretelling, telling something that is already happening under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, or foretelling, telling things that is going to happen. Right. It's a ministry. Yes, it it's is. It's preaching. Yes. Just to get right down to it. It's preaching. Praise God. And he says, I want you to covet that. Yes. Now, I don't want you to forbid to speak with tongues, but in all of this, I want it to be done decently and in order. Beautiful. Just beautiful. Shall we stand?